Welcome to The Week Ahead in Russia, RFERL's Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Gutterman, and the title of today's podcast really should be The Week Ahead in Ukraine, because my guest is joining me on the line from Kiev, where he's been for about a week now, a little more. Uh, it's Mike Eckel, senior correspondent here at RFERL. Now, he's hosted this uh, podcast several times, uh, grateful for that, uh, and this time he's a guest. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, Mike. Hi from Kiev, Steve. All right. I'm glad you're there. Um now, first, I'd like to ask you about the mood there, basically, in, in Kiev. Um, the context for this, of course, is the Russian military buildup, uh, more than 100,000 troops uh, estimated, you know, or, or or significantly more by some estimates, uh, uh, including Ukrainian uh, intelligence estimates, I believe, up, upwards of some 125,000, while Russia says it has no plans for a new invasion of Ukraine, President Vladimir Putin has spoken of potential, uh, quote, military technical measures, uh, unquote, should Russia be dissatisfied with uh, the U.S. and NATO approach to proposals, and in some cases, insistent demands, that Moscow is making uh, about European security. The chief uh, chief one of those uh, proposals or demands is a call for a binding guarantee that Ukraine, as well as other countries uh, closer to close to Russia, will never join NATO. Uh, and the U- uh, United States contends that Russia has, in fact, been planning a possible invasion uh, and that it could come soon. Now, Mike, obviously everyone's uh, different, uh, but do you have a sense of the overall mood in Kiev? So, uh, well, first off, it's uh, snowy and very wintry in Kiev, uh, which is very nice. Uh, and uh, the Ukrainian capital is, you know, it's it's a calm place, I and mean, life goes on here. Uh, there's no panic buying in the stores. Um, it, no one's uh, running around frantically, uh, you know, expecting a, an imminent invasion of, of Kiev or or the entire country, for that matter. That said, uh, you know, people are wary. Um, you know, again, U- Ukraine has been at war since 2014. I think that's an important thing to recall, uh, particularly for Western listeners. Um, the war in the Donbass has been going on since 2014. We've got, what, 13,200 people dead there. And so there's been this, like, low uh, back burner war going on for eight years. And so for a lot of Ukrainians, particularly in, in the cosmopolitan cities like Kiev, you know, there's this kind of, okay, the war is still ongoing. Um, you know, that said, government officials from uh, uh, President Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Zelensky on down have uh, made clear that they are wary about what Russia's intentions are. Um, and they have also taken great pains to present the message, don't panic, keep calm, and carry on. And what's interesting is that contrasts with some of the warnings that we're hearing from the Americans, first and foremost, and from other uh, uh, Western officials, who have really uh, sort of uh, bang the drum that you know war is imminent. A new war is imminent, 
uh, last week on Friday, uh, President Zelensky held an, uh, a small format news conference for foreign media where he was asked repeatedly about this kind of divergence in messaging uh, between his government and that of the Americans. Uh, and he said, again, you know, people need to not panic, first and foremost. He said he wishes that the Americans would be a little less kind of loud and alarming uh, in their warnings. Um, and he said, uh, you know, he basically defended the, the kind of uh, calm approach that he and his top officials are taking towards the threat. So, um, and it's clear why he's doing that. Uh, I've written a story about this. Lots of people have in the past week. You know, the Ukrainian economy uh, is not on totally solid footing. Uh, the, the national currency, the Vivna, has already uh, declined, I think, by more than 8 or 9%. I haven't checked the latest currency rates. Um, there's been a trickle of outflow uh, of, of investment dollars from the country in recent weeks. Um, so, you know, if the economy completely tanks, uh, you know, notwithstanding a war, then he'll have serious problems on him, serious domestic problems on his hand, in addition to the threat of a new Russian war. So, um, you know, what's the mood in Kiev? I would say people are trying to go uh, go on uh, living their lives as before. Um, but, you know, people people are wary and, uh, and, and paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the factors you're saying, I think, you know, is uh, in, I guess, the attitude of, of wariness, you know, but not necessarily... Uh, you know, but not panic is, you know, as you mentioned, the, the, the fact that there's been a war in Ukraine since 2014. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's that been going on. So the threat is still there. And I think uh, Zelensky, you know, mentioned that in in his uh, in his press conference. Um, so I guess the second question, I mean, you answered some of this uh, already, but, um you know, there's this widening gap uh, that you wrote about and 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 you spoke about uh, between. Well, it may be widening. I don't know if it's widening, but it's it's um it seems pretty wide already um, between the way U.S. and Ukrainian officials, including the two presidents, um, uh, Joe Biden and Volodymyr Zelensky, have been speaking publicly about the Russian threat. One way to describe it might be that the United States is saying a Russian invasion is or may be imminent. Uh, and Ukraine is saying, well, you know, we, we really don't think so. Or, you know, we're, how, how, how come you're so sure? Now, Mike, you, you interviewed um, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Thursday, I believe. And on Friday, you attended Zelensky's meeting with some foreign media outlets in which, um, you know, he, he seemed to push back pretty hard against what the U.S. Uh, has been saying, or at least the way it's being framed. What, what's going on? I mean, you, you, you mentioned part of this, part of the Ukrainian motivation or, or Zelensky's motivations. Um, but there, and I guess there's also, you know, perhaps a difference in the intelligence. I mean, have you been able to get a feeling uh, from your conversations where the two countries are coming from and why their assessments differ so much? Uh, I've been able to get a sense of what the sort of prevailing um, thinking is about the divergence. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I'm not privy to uh, the classified information that, <laughs> that the U.S. Is, uh, is, is, is basing its assessment on. Um, 
we do know that the U.S. has excellent intelligence assets, you know, from, you know, drones to, uh, you know, sophisticated Air Force listening planes that are that are regularly uh, up in the air along the borders uh, to the north and to the east. Um, so uh, and the Ukrainians, the, the Americans have been sharing a lot of this intelligence with the Ukrainians. Um, and, and and so this came up during the Zelensky press conference where, again, the question of this divergence uh, of, of analysis came up. And, and Zelensky alluded to the fact that, you know, you can have like a, the same sort of body of intelligence and you can interpret it in different ways. And he, he made a passing remark that I don't think got widely reported where he talked about, you know, there's signal intelligence that's with the, the the U.S. spy satellites and planes and drones up in the air listening and watching radio communications and electronic intercepts. And then there's human intelligence, uh, you know, the old spy cloak and dagger stuff where you have agents on the ground, the SBU, the Ukrainian Secret Service, uh, you know, trying to infiltrate separatist move, uh, separatists in, in the Donbass and the FSB, of course, and uh, the Russia's SVR trying to infiltrate Ukraine. Um, so Zelensky basically said, you know, well, we also have our human intelligence that we re- rely on. And uh, he said that he suggested that that was a large part of what was leading to the divergence in analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, plus the fact, uh, as you as you referred to, he, he needs to uh, keep the don't panic message because, uh, again, Ukrainians do not need uh, the, the the currency to, to tank. They, they need jobs and livelihoods, and, and Zelensky needs to keep a strong uh, base of political support um, among constituents and voters. So, um, you know, uh, that's, that's where we stand, and that's a very plausible explanation for the divergence. There's one other uh, theory that's also been floating around that, that, uh, uh, that I tend to put credence in, and that's the question about um, if the American intelligence is, is so good, and, and there's reason to believe it's very, very good, that uh, the Americans might be uh, see it wise strategy to go loud and public with this stuff as a way to basically call the Russians out and outflank them in terms of strategy by saying it's one of these, I know what you know, what I know what you know type of situations. And, um, you know, I've read some analysis that says, yeah, the Russians are kind of a little bit flummoxed by how well the Americans have been playing this game. So, you know, that I think I again I put a lot I put credence in that 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 uh that that analysis as well. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um I mean I would just mention maybe another factor is the kind of uh the the Russian information and, and propaganda and disinformation that's coming out. Um, you know, it's hard it's a bit hard to get a handle on on, you know, it's <laughs> Maybe that's the understatement, uh, uh, but hard to get a handle on what Russia's p- plans actually are. Uh, you know, a lot of people say nobody nobody knows them but Putin, and he may not have decided yet. But you have, coming from Russia, um, the kind of constant uh, statements from, from officials, Lavrov, Ryabkov, uh, and others saying, you know, we have no intention of attacking, or, you know, war with Ukraine would be terrible. Um, but on the other hand, you have, you know, uh, 
statements like we're not from Lavrov and, and Putin essentially we're not going to on the on these NATO these demands of NATO non-expansion and and um, to roll back uh, deployments to 1997 uh, positions essentially you know we have right. Russia saying well we're not going to let our interests be be trodden upon um, so that's kind of a you know that's a that's a threat. Uh, and then also a lot of talk, uh, you know, on Russian TV, but also from officials about, well, Ukraine, Ukraine, you know, maybe planning a, uh, uh, you know, a, a provocation. So, you know, uh-huh. that that kind of undermines the Russian statement of we have no intention, you know, of attacking because presumably like as as in Georgia in 2008, uh, the, the pot, you know, the possible a pre there could be a pretext uh, for an attack, whether it's created by Moscow or otherwise. So I, I don't know, I'm just saying, you know, this this is sort of an added factor to to the intelligence trying to or to the to the guessing game trying to trying to figure out what uh what is happening um and what you know what Russia's intentions are with this and we still have go on but uh still have the diplomacy going as well. I mean, I, you know, the threat right. And then the diplomacy, I think in now it's a week and a half or so, a new meeting of the, the Normandy format, you know, the um, France, Germany, uh, Russia and Ukraine on, on the Donbass situation and, and the, uh, the Minsk uh, to peace deal. Uh, so uh, the, the question, you know, that I keep asking myself is, is, you know, this diplomacy keeps going on and Russia seems to keep uh, keep it going, um, but you know how long? How long is that going to last? So, so and that's yeah. a good thing. I mean, you can make a plausible argument to say, as long as the diplomacy is going on, you know, at least they're talking. They're not firing guns. So, um, yeah. Uh, and I certainly subscribe to the to the to the notion that um, what we've seen so far, again, this is serious criminology, serious reading of the tea leaves from from the diplomats from Murabkov from uh, Grushko's and Lavrov, of course, is that, you know, there's lots of shoe banging on the podium going on here, but the signals seem to be still that, okay, we're still willing to talk. Um, And, you know, the Americans handed over their formal written response to the Russians uh, the week before last, and Putin is reported reviewing those the American response, and like you said, we have the Normandy format coming up, um, and and then, and then there's all the back channels going on that we don't really hear about, mm-hmm. uh, the the casual conversations going on in in Washington, in the European capitals, um, trying to assess the, the 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 real end game for for the Russians. Um, so uh, again, I subscribe to the notion that for the moment the diplomacy is going. Um, the Russians seem to be content to let it go, and um, hopefully that will uh, forestall any uh, imminent invasion. Right, and they they're you know they're they're content to let it go on at least for now. And you know, obviously, they they Russia could have uh, when they got the formal uh, response, um, essentially saying you know some of your demands are unacceptable. I mean, obviously that had been said before and all along, but this was the formal response right. saying. You know, no, we're not going to uh, give a binding pledge to keep Ukraine or others out of NATO. Um, you know, that could have been uh, the the pretext for you know some kind of uh, military, you know, an invasion or incursion. Um, it was not. 
Uh, so right. you know maybe there'll be another one. Uh, it's uh, it's obviously hard to right. say, but but you know as you say the diplomacy going on. So um, I guess we will well, uh, see what happens in weeks ahead. And weeks ahead, two things to look out for. Of mm-hmm. course, uh, the Olympics are coming up. Um, things happen during the Olympics. They have in the past where Russia is concerned. Think 2008. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, <laughs> there's been a lot of ink spilled over thawing ground, the month of March. Uh, it's a lot harder to take your your battalion tactical groups and maneuver them with heavy weaponry over muddy fields of northern Ukraine, uh, which happens, you know, and in, in usually happens around March. So uh, those are two things to watch out for in the coming weeks, the Olympics and the weather forecast. Right. And then I think there's also absolutely, and there's talk in terms of the Olympics of, well, you know, yes, in the past that's happened, but is, is would Xi Jinping, uh, you know, frown upon it? So that, that's... <laughs> Um, right. That's other factors, and, and I think another another one is is this uh, this meeting. I think it's February 9th of the Normandy format. So, um, yes. that could provide a hint as to you know is Russia going to really start pressing now on on that on the Donbass issue of trying to get uh, get the Minsk two agreements um, implemented in the way that it sees them or it frames them. Um, and it, and if if that is not happening or doesn't look like it's happening, is that is that another factor in in, in whether there's going to be um, uh, a military action? So yes, absolutely right. good, good to point out those those uh, things upcoming in the next few weeks. All right, uh, we're running out of time, and we'll wrap it up there. Mike, thanks very much for joining me uh, from Kiev. You bet, anytime, Steve. Okay, I'll be back next Monday uh, for another Week Ahead podcast. And please check out my Week in Russia newsletter on Friday. Thanks for listening.